Hi, and welcome. We're so excited that you chose to join us today. And we hope that this message will inspire you to live the life that God designed you to live. For this message or others like it, you can go to our website or you can find us on our YouTube channel. Now sit back, relax, enjoy this message. Good morning, church. It's great to have you here this morning. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him God is good. How many know that we serve a, a good God? Amen? He's good to us. He's good to all, the Bible says. So we're so excited about that. I get the privilege of receiving the offering. So if the ushers could please help us um, with some offering envelopes and some uh, buckets. That'd be awesome. Praise God. Um, First of all, envelopes. If you're giving cash and would like a receipt, just slip your hand up. One of these ushers will give you an offering envelope. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. Amen. Praise God. Isn't it good to be alive? Doesn't it beat the alternative? Unless you're, yes, I know. Unless you're older, you're thinking about heaven. But I mean, as long as you're here, you ought to enjoy it, right? Amen. So, praise God. Um, again, we had technical difficulties I don't know what it is, um, but we're going to get it fixed, right? Yes. yes, amen. So let's pray over our offering. Lord, we thank you that we can give. We're so grateful for everything that you've done for us. And we give back to you. We acknowledge everything that comes into our hands comes from your hand, Lord. And we're just so grateful. Even the breath that we breathe is from you. And in you we live and move and have our being. And so, Lord... We just give back to you a portion of that which you've given to us so freely. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, men. You can pass the offering buckets. So this week we had um, kids camp. I think we had about 50, 60 kids out there and a lot of workers and junior workers. And so it was a great event. And um, anyway, so uh, do you want to say something about that, Ryan? Is that what you're coming for? No, you're just giving out Bibles? Okay. Good. That's awesome. Also, um, I think this next month we have a picnic one day this week, right? One day this, what is it? August 25th, we have a picnic. So probably have uh, horses and, and uh, other stuff, you know, out here. Probably a bungee jump. We can jump off of the roof. <laughs> Hope that it holds till you hit the ground. But we're so glad uh, that people are willing to give um, of their time and, and stuff to bring our enjoyment. I want you to open your, if you're a visitor here today, we're so glad you're here and uh, pray that this will be a, a worthwhile event for you. Uh, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. Let's, I want you to go to uh, Matthew chapter 18. I, last week, I started talking about the subject of offense, being offended. How many of you were here last week? I see your hand. And uh, I didn't hear a lot of comments. I heard a few comments. But actually, I believe that this is probably one of the most important subjects for a Christian. And, you know, how many know this is true? That most of us, we know that to have animosity or ha hatred or a bad attitude or whatever toward another person, it's wrong. I mean, as a Christian, because our commandment is to love. Jesus said that we're supposed to love one another. And so that doesn't fit into the description of what love is, is to have hatred or 
animosity toward anybody for any reason. And so, um, but the problem is, we know that in the big things, but there's also a lot of little things. And this is what really spoke to me. I was actually listening to a Joyce Meyer's sermon, and she started talking about all the little things. Boy, was I convicted after that, because I get attitudes. I don't know if you guys probably don't get a lot of attitudes, but I walk around, you know, and this bugs me, and that bugs me, and I think this person's ripping me off, and this person's doing this, and this, and I'm just, I walk around, and I'm not like full-blown, like, I hate you, but I'm just like, you know, I walk around with a, with a subtle irritation, uh, and it sort of, sort of starts building up over time. How many know what I mean? Until finally, I'm kind of sour. I walk around just kind of sour, and... Uh, and I don't feel like praising God because I'm muttering to myself how this aggravates me and that aggravates me. And I, I got this and why doesn't it work? And, you know, and it's just, you know, all this kind of stuff goes on. And um, you'll find this is true, that in an environment where people are, are uh, you know, like they're having attitudes. We used to call them toods. I don't know if they still do that now, but toods, they have little toods. And they're aggravated about little things. Usually in that atmosphere or in that person, there's not usually a lot of thankfulness and a lot of praise that's going on. Well, thank you for your enthusiasm. And, and the thing is, is that the Bible tells us that his praise should be continually on our lips. His praise should be continually on our lips. And that's kind of hard to do when you're like muttering to yourself all the things that aggravate you. And so after a while, you actually take a lot of toxins in. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but our country is like, I, I titled my message last week, the United State of Offense. Because it's like our whole country is being captured by offense. We're offended about everything. We have high expectations, and everybody is offended about something. We're, we feel victimized by the government. We feel victimized by everything. And we're offended. And um, I heard this, Paul Harvey tells a story about a man who's suing his parents, actually sued his parents because he was ugly. <laughs> this, I'm not making this up. In fact, you can Google this. Don't Google it right now. Listen to my sermon and Google it later. There's actually more than one case where a person brought a case against his parents because you two are so ugly, you should have never had kids. You should have known, that was the argument. You should have known better, two people as ugly as you. You know your kids are destined to be ugly. And look at me, I'm hideous. And so that was the lawsuit. Because the person felt victimized by having two ugly parents that had kids. And I could go through and I could give you example after example of people that feel victimized and feel like they're, uh, suffering because of some injustice that they perceive in this, and they're offended. And, uh, and so we're living in a day, in an age, when people are, have, are offended for one reason or another. And the thing about when you talk about offense, everybody, everybody, even though you're looking at me so holy and so sweet, listen, I know everybody in this room has to deal with offense. Everybody does. You say, how do you know that for sure? Because Jesus promised... It's not one of the promises that you hang on your refrigerator, but it is a promise. Jesus promised in Matthew chapter 18, verse 7, he says, Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come. Offenses must come. Opportunities to be offended will come. They'll come to you constantly. And uh, if you don't learn to fight against them, what will happen is 
you will not only have an offense come, but you will become offended. And, uh, and you actually do more harm to yourself when you're offended than anything else. And so offenses come. There's no way of getting around it. And so a lot of times we have, and we're, usually we're offended by people that are the closest to us. Amen? The people that are close to us are the people that give us the most opportunity for offense. And what I don't think most Christians understand is how important it is to fight against it. Because we think in terms a lot of times of what's right and wrong. And we have a system inside of what's right and wrong. This You should act this way. You didn't act this way, therefore you're wrong and I'm offended. And, uh, and so we have, to be, we have to fight against this. Because the opportunity to be offended comes to everybody. It's a promise. Jesus said it was a promise. And offenses are real. Because, you know, I've, I've sat and counseled people about their past. And I could hardly believe some of the things. You know, I thought I had hard times in my past. Most of it was self-inflicted. inflicted. But I'm, I mean, I've talked to people. I thought, wow, that is really some serious stuff. Compared to what I went through, that's serious. And, uh, and so offenses are real. I'm not saying they're make-believe. I mean, some of them are make-believe. Come on. I heard a story one time about, um, have you ever seen the movie Black Hawk Down? It's a, it's a true story about these soldiers that went into Somalia to arrest this warlord who was killing people and causing all kinds of destruction. And they're kind of ambushed. It's kind of a long story. And, and they go through all this stuff. And, and so in one scene in the movie, uh, they're in this holdout, and the lieutenant, they're all, they're all shot up, and the lieutenant goes, we've got to get out of here. And so he turns to this, the lieutenant turns to this guy and says, get in that Humvee, we're all piling in, get in there and drive. And, uh, and, the, uh, and the soldier says, I can't, I'm wounded. The lieutenant says, we're all wounded, get in that car, shut up and drive. And, you know, I almost feel like, I mean, someone goes, I'm wounded. We're all wounded. I mean, really? I mean, come on. We've all been beat up in some way by life. Somebody uh, didn't treat us right. Somebody did something ugly to us. There was something that happened to us that hurt us, that injured us, wounded us. It's almost like, come on, you've got to get over it. You've got to move on. You are stuck. It's interesting that the word offense means a trap. It's actually the word for the, where the bait goes on a trap. And so when a person gets offended, it's like you're, you're, you're trapped. You ever seen an animal in a trap? It's pretty, you know, I, I used to trap. I did it for one uh, fall. I never did it again because, you know, I won't tell you the story, but it's not a pretty sight. But it's sad to watch an animal that's trapped. And there are so many Christians that are trapped. But they fell prey to the, the bait because they were enticed by some incident that sucked them in. And they don't realize what that offense is doing to them personally. I don't mean this to be real heavy. I'll try to use a little bit of humor so you can kind of like, <laughs> and I'll use this as, I'll use humor as anesthesia as I dissect you, okay? So here's the thing, the, op the opportunity to be offended comes to anybody. That's why if you talk about offense, nobody will go, I don't know what he's talking about. Unless you're in a room all by yourself, and even that, a spider could come in there and you could get offended over that. But I mean, everybody gets offended, or everybody has the opportunity to be offended. And no matter how sweet you look, I know the opportunity comes. They're real. But that doesn't mean that of being offended is automatic. Just because the opportunity to be offended 
comes doesn't mean that offended is automatically, that you have to be offended. doesn't mean that. Offense, offense is what happens to us. Offended is our reaction. Offended is our reaction to what happens to us. Offense says you did it. Offended says I'm not forgiving you. I'm not letting it go. Offense is an event. Offended is a decision. I can't stop offenses from coming, but I can stop me from becoming offended. Offended Offenses are optional or are inevitable. Let me say it again. Offenses are, are inevitable. In other words, they're going to come. Opportunities to be offended are going to come. But offended is optional. Offended is optional. See, at one time in our nation, it was thought to be, uh, if you were a person that resisted getting offended, we considered that to be a person of high character. If you were somebody that said, I'm not going to let this get to me. I'm not going to let this bother me. I'm not going to take this offense. We considered that high, a person of high character. But now it seems like if you're offended, you go. You go, girl. You know, that's what the expression is. You go, man, or whatever. Yeah, it's our, like a, our constitutional right to be offended. And so you have to ask yourself the question, what is our current level of offendability? What is your current level of offendability? It seems like people that are introverted more have more trouble with offense because they hold things in and they stew on stuff. When people are more outgoing, it seems like that they verbalize what's going on more. And, and more introverted type people seem to stir, uh, stew on stuff. Not saying that extroverts are free of this. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that uh, it just seems like that's the way it is. And so... I wrote some things down here. I just want to recite to you before we get into some scripture. Um, it's, you can't handle the big things in life as long as it takes little things to trip you up. Let me just say that one more time. You can't handle the big things as long as it takes little things to trip you up. You know, it's interesting. One time I was praying and I was having one of these moments with God and God was really speaking to me. I was so excited. I was crying and, and God was telling me how much he loved me. I was feeling like I was getting a Holy Ghost hug and it was just awesome. You know, I was just, it's kind of undone, you know, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me. He said, I, I, I love you. I, I've, I've loved you and I love you and I've kept you in a safe place. Now, this is what he said to me. I've kept you in a safe place because I didn't want to lose you. And I'm weeping, man. I'm just like, that's incredible. And then all of a sudden, ladies, I, I got offended over that statement. No, I didn't, didn't really, but because I started thinking about that later. He said, I kept you in a safe place and away from a lot of junk because I didn't want to lose you. So, so fi finally I said to the Lord, so what you're saying is that I am so weak and frail that you can't put me out there on the front lines because I don't have what it takes to really take it, you know, take it on. And then, I mean, I imagine the Lord's like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> but you can't take on big things. Listen, if you can't take on big things, if little things trip you up. So God actually will keep you in a safe place because he doesn't want to lose you. He'll keep you in a protected place. He'll keep you away from big devils and big challenges and big tasks and big events and big exploits because he doesn't want to lose you. Because if you get, if you get to a higher level, what happens is there's higher devils. 
And so he'll keep you in a safe place. And so isn't it important for us that we grow up? So you're a, our level of offendability is an in, indicator, really, of where we're at spiritually, our spiritual growth. Because being offended is the opposite of love. And the Bible says that the journey is that we be made perfect in love. That we perf, Love is the bond of perfection. Otherwise, you know, what he, what he ever read 1 Corinthians 13 where he talks about, even though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and I have not loves, I'm a gong and a sounding cymbal. He kind of goes through there. If I have prophecy, I have this. I have give my, my stuff to the poor. If I have all this, he ends it by saying, I am nothing because I haven't learned to really walk in love. And when it, this Bible describes love, it says love does, is not touchy. Preach, Steve. Well, <laughs> I walked in here and nobody said hi to me. No one shook my hand. Or, you know, and just so quick, you know, it's like walking around with like a chip on our shoulder. Go ahead, knock it off. And, and just so quick to say, I'm offended. I'm, I, I take issue with that. I, I'm offended by that. Now, you can disagree with people without being offended. Let it go to a point of offense, right? So here's the other thing we said, and I talked about this last week, that your miracle is on the other side of an offense. Very often, there's a miracle waiting for you if you can get through this offense. The thing I, I pointed out was the woman, with the, the, demon or the woman that had the demon-possessed daughter. Remember that story? The woman of Cana? And how she came, and she had about every offense that you could know, that you could mention. She the the offense of being rejected, the offense of being ignored, the offense of being humiliated, the offense of being uh, racist offense. I mean, you name it. She had all of it. But right in the middle of all that offense, it says that she fell down and she began to worship. In other words, that offense, because worship and offense don't go together. You don't find worship with the offended, true worship, and you don't find the, the offended worshiping. I said, I said the same thing twice, didn't I? But you get the point. You don't find those together. In other words, if offense, if offense had a family reunion, worship and thanksgiving wouldn't be there, wouldn't join. Worship and thanksgiving goes to another party or another reunion. It's not that one. Love. Worship, Thanksgiving, that's a different family altogether. And so they don't mix together. In fact, there's an interesting passage of Scripture. We're going to jump ahead here. Turn over here to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, it says, in verse 14, it says, Pursue peace with all people. Peace has the, is the opposite of being offended. When you're at peace, you're at harmony with a person. You're at one with a person. Pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all people. Pursue it. Actually, the word pursue means to hunt it. you got to look for it. You, how many know what, if you're not a hunter, maybe you don't understand this, but uh, when you hunt for something, you're looking for it. I'm looking to make peace with this person. I want to be at peace with this person. I don't want to have an issue. I want there to be peace. Pursue, pursue peace with all people and holiness which out with no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, 
lest any root of bitterness springing up and cause you trouble, and thereby many become defiled. Lest there be a fornicator, profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his own birthright. So what he's saying here is he's saying, pursue peace, pursue holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. The word see means to discern, discern the Lord. In other words, if you're not in a place of peace with people, where you, the war is over between you and that person, the war is over. Now, they might not like you, but you've, you've ended the war with that person. You know, I heard a story, interesting, this pastor, um, some of you may have heard of him, now I can't remember his name, but he's from Russia. He has a church in Latvia, Rick Renner. Renner, have you ever heard of him? Yeah. Anyway, so he, uh, he started this church in Latvia, Riga or something like that, Latvia, and there was two churches in town. One was started by a Russian, and he was an American. They both started this church. Well, the Russian pastor started, because Rick's bald, started saying that Rick, Rick is under a curse because he's bald. He'd say that from the pulpit. Don't go to his church. This is the, the, past, the Russian pastor would say, don't go to his church because he's bald. He's under a curse. And so this actually aggravated this Rick. And so finally, and then he, every week he'd get up there and say, don't go to his church because other things. You just keep bringing up stuff. He's, and don't forget, he's bald. He's under a curse. So Rick is getting ticked. And so he's, not, he's rehearsing the offense. And he's nursing the offense. He's, you know. <laughs> and I know this from experience. If you... If I let something bother me inside, if I let something bother me, when I'm preaching, it's coming out. I may not even say it, but people are going, there was a cold wind in the service. Because <laughs> it's just, I'm aggravated, and it just, it, it coats every word that I speak. And so one Sunday, Rick tells this story, one Sunday, he gets up, and he just, he just, Flays this guy out. And this, the thing with this other pastor was, Russian guy, he was short. So he started calling him pygmy pastor. And we had this pygmy pastor across town. And so he started just, and that, you talk about a curse, that is a curse. You know, he's just going on. And his wife's sitting in the front row going, stop. So anyways, so this started this war for several months, back and forth, every Sunday. And it was, people liked it because, you know, people like controversy. Well, let's go to, I don't know what the pygmy guy's name is, but let's go to his church, see what he's saying. Really? And then the next week they'd go to Baldi's church. And so, I mean, it goes back and forth, <laughs> going back and forth. And so finally one day Rick said, I was praying in my office, and he said, I really felt God was saying to me, I want to bring revival to this city. I want it to explode with revival. And so he said, yes, God. And then the Lord said, do you want to be a part of it? Oh, yes, Lord, yes, I do, yes, yes, I do. And he goes, okay, I want you to go apologize to that guy. I can't do that. <laughs> and he said, for two months... Every time he'd pray, there it is, shoot, apologize to God. And then the Lord said, I want you to go to his office. I want you to get on your knees and beg his forgiveness. So he brought another guy with him, and they went there, and he says, he starts in, and they both start in about 
pygmy, you know, bald, you know, blah, 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 blah. Start talking about, but he goes, you know, he stops. He goes, listen, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here because I was wrong, and I'm going to ask you to forgive me. And the Holy Spirit kept saying, get on your knees. And the guy was kind of, just kind of, yeah, yeah. And he's going, but I really want to make it right, da, da, da. And the Holy Spirit kept saying, get on your knees. And he goes, ah, yeah, yeah, Finally, he goes, he goes, I do not want to leave this place and have to come back again and get on my knees. So he, he got down on his knees, and as soon as he did, the guy broke, started to weep, said, I'm so sorry. He says, now to the, together, they are great friends, and they had incredible revival. He said, I had him come and preach for me, and he, I preached for him. And we do stuff together. We do events together. And we brought and tremendous revival has come to that city. But it wouldn't have happened. Remember, I told you last week about Copeland had this vision. He saw a pipe come down from heaven, and it went, went straight, and then it, it elbowed and came right to his face. And he looked up and he saw water, torrential water, come pouring into the top of the pipe. And then when it came out right in front of him, it just kind of spurted, spurt, spurt. A little spurt here and there hit him in the face. He's like, what, what is this? He goes, that's all the issues in your life, all the unforgiveness, all the offense that you've never dealt with that's plugging your pipe. And that is serious stuff. That's why the Bible says, pursue peace with all men. And holiness without which no one will see the Lord. No one will discern what God is saying. No one will experience the presence of God. God could be falling all over the place. And you're standing there as dead and as cold and lifeless as a... <laughs> beating a dead horse. If you were here last week, that's one of the sayings that Peter's offended by, beating a dead horse. But anyway, so what I'm saying, and, and not affect you, and you wonder, what's going on? It's because there's something, there's issues of offense that you have not dealt with in your own life. That's why he said, and notice how he says he, and, and see, we have to fight against it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to fight this thing. You've got to fight it. You have to be fanatical about it. You have to hate offense as much as God does. Otherwise, it's going to trip you up. It's going to choke you out. You're going to become a, it's going to poison your life. You know, the Bible says this, that Jesus is called the rock of offense. That means there is a possibility that Jesus, following Jesus, you'll be offended. And you've got to fight it. You know, if we don't fight against being offended, our hearts take in poison and we begin to accumulate offense after offense until it damages our soul and we actually get stuck like a bird caught in a trap. Our soul becomes ensnared. And we, our growth spiritually becomes stagnant and there's no forward movement. I wrote this down, so I wanted to read it to you. I thought I was inspired to write this, so. There's no forward movement. The person we're supposed to, now listen to this, the person we're supposed to be or should be or could be begins to fade and the corrosive effects of unforgiveness mars our soul and our personality until we become a stranger to ourselves. Wow, that's powerful. I might just read that again. The person we're supposed to be, see, because that's the point, is that we don't hurt the other person. We think we're punishing their person, but we're not. We're punishing ourselves. The other person is going to Six Flags, you know, going, woo! Bungee jumping, woo! 
And we're in a prison of resentment. We got them locked up in this little prison and we're going, tsh, tsh. every day we take them out and go, tsh, tsh. we think, oh, we're, we hate you. We're punishing you. There you go. He's over there going, Woo! He's, he's at the beach, laying the beach, getting raised, and he's having a great time. The only one that's in pain and suffering is you. And you're just ugly to be around, and they don't want to be around you, so they go to Six Flags and enjoy it. They wouldn't go to Disney World and enjoy it. The ride's, the wait's too long. <laughs> Let me read, I wrote a few other things down. Do you take it, or is it too rough? Okay, we become toxic in our attracted people who are toxic. Have you ever noticed that when you get toxic, you go around people, and everybody's mad about something. We're all together. We're all mad about something. Hey, you know what? Hey, 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 hey. And it's not that the things we're mad about aren't legitimate. That's not the point. It's the point is that we are doing something to ourselves, and we don't realize it. Our unique design and potential and our future is slowly being stolen from us. Listen, we were created by a creator to be unique individuals, able to achieve and accomplish great things. But when we allow ourselves to be offended, we lose our focus, and all our emotional and spiritual energy is directed at managing our self-inflicted pain. Man, I'm glad I, I should write a book. This should be part of it. All of our... See, some of you are offended by that. You think you... No, okay, don't. All right, good. All of our attention is focused on ourselves, and we spend all of this emotional energy at managing our self-inflicted pain. Forgiveness does not release the offender from what they did. Forgiveness releases us from the prison that we have put ourselves in. Forgiveness is not about releasing the perpetrator it's about releasing the victim. Forgiveness is not about releasing the perpetrator. Forgiveness is about releasing the victim. You hurt me, that's your fault. If I continue to nurse and rehearse the offense, that's my fault. I got to let it go. Forgiveness cuts the link between me and the person that offended me. See, I have too much ahead of me to keep me incarcerated by the events of my past. When I'm offended, I give other people power over my life. That's why the Bible says to pursue peace, hunt it down, pursue peace with all men, which out no one will see the Lord. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 real quickly. My time's up. Can you take a little bit more? Okay, just want to, there's one story that I want to get to, but look at this verse here. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, he said, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Listen to this. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Through offense, Satan gains advantage of us. We don't realize that he's gaining advantage of us. He's stifling our spiritual growth and development. And we're giving him opportunity, giving him leverage in our lives by us taking on an offense. I looked at last week. I won't look at that again. But I just say this. Offense is the breeding ground for deception. Offense is the breeding ground for deception. 
because people who are offended, in, in Matthew 24, it says, many will be offended, and then it says they'll betray one another, they'll hate one another, and then it goes on to say, many false prophets will rise. And if you ever talk to somebody who's offended, they are deceived. I would never listen to somebody explain doctrine who was offended because they can't see clearly because of the offense. Their eye, it's like they have a plank or something in their eye and, and they don't see clearly. And so it's my choice. Offenses come, but it's my choice to become offended. And our level of unoffendability has to rise Otherwise, we can't go to great, do great things. I want you to look at one last verse here. In 2 Samuel, there's a story, 2 Samuel chapter 10. And I won't take time to read it because our time is up, but I'll just tell you about the story. It's David had a friend, uh, the king of Ammon, and they were friends. And so the king of Ammon died, and so his son took over. And so David was going to send... Uh, just send a, a delegation to them and just, you know, you know uh, extend sympathy for the death of the, the king. And then congratulations to the son because he's taken over for his dad. He's taken the throne. So this delegation comes, and when they get there, the king of Ammon, the son, who's taken his dad's place, he has a bunch of advisors, and they say, do you think that David actually is come here, sent these delegation here, to really give us sympathy or to extend congratulations. Do you think that's it? They came here to spy out the city and to take, look for an advantage how they can kill us all. And so the king of Ammon, the new king, the son, he goes, he listens to those advisors, and David actually had pure motives. And so you know what he does is he takes David's men and he shaves off half their beard, and then he cuts their trousers out or their gown, whatever, out at the buttocks. So the buttocks shows. I don't know if he prayed, if he paraded them around. <laughs> I mean, I get the picture that maybe they paraded them down through the streets, you know, and there they are. And we won't have an illustration on this sermon that's here. But so here they are. They're walking around. They've got the buttocks showing, and they got the beard, beard halfway. And so they go back to David, and David hears about it, and David says, don't <laughs> don't come into the city. <laughs> go, go to Jericho. And it's interesting that, the, that Jericho is a place of, it says, fragrance or of flowers and palm trees. It's, like a, it's almost like a garden. He said, go to the place of fragrance, palm trees, and go to that place of garden, the place of sweetness, and go and rest there until your beard grows back. And we'll send a tailor down there to get your... Get your pants fixed up there, and, and it's quite a picture, isn't it? And so they did. They went to that place of fragrance, that sweetness, and then David and his mighty men, they went, and they settled the score. Now, the thing that I'm saying to you is this, and listen to this. This is, this is really, really serious stuff here. When you're offended, when you, when you are, a, when you are uh, how do you say it, approached with an offense, or the opportunity to be offended comes to you, let me just say this to you. You need to go to a place of sweetness. You know, there's a verse in the Bible. We don't like to talk about it, but there's actually a verse in the Bible in Romans chapter 12 where it says this. You don't have to turn there, but I'll just read it to you. It says, Beloved, do not avenge yourself. You know, I believe this, that the reason Paul had an encounter, there's probably more than one reason, 
that he had an encounter on the road to Damascus is that he was the one that was giving authority for the death of Stephen. And Stephen said, forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. And something happened. Because he didn't take the offense. He didn't say, I'm offended you're throwing rocks. Oh, that would be a pretty normal reason to be offended. You're throwing rocks at me and killing me. But because he didn't take the offense, he forgave them. Something happened. The, the guy that put his stamp of approval on the death of Stephen, he's on the road to Damascus. And the Bible says that he's breathing out threats and slaughters against the church of God. And all of a sudden, a ricochet happened. Stephen had forgave, and all of a sudden, wham! And Paul goes flying off his horse, lands on the ground, hears a voice saying, this is how I would interpret it, this ends today, one way or another. This ends today, one way or another. See, I think that sometimes... We don't realize that if we will leave things in God's hands, God's got a way. God has a way to step into situations and say, this ends today. It's going to end today. If we put it in God's hands, if we go to Jericho, a place of sweetness. You know, it's interesting, Smith Wigglesworth, some of you have heard about him. He had a tremendous ministry, but he also had a tremendous wife. And Smith, you know, his wife was actually the preacher. Smith was a plumber. And he'd be out working and come home. He's hungry. You know how men are. There's three things they want, and one of them's food. And I won't tell you the other two, but anyways, but he comes home. He wants food. She's out preaching. He gets angry. Finally, he gets so angry they have these big fights, and she just stays sweet. She goes to Jericho. She just stays sweet. And finally, one night, he comes home. She's not there, so she locks him out. Or he locks her out. He locks the door. So she sleeps on the front stoop. How many of you women would put up with that? <laughs> I ain't, it's not happening in this house. So she sleeps on the front stoop. And he goes, boy, that bugged me. She didn't even get mad. He, he opens the door. She goes, hi, Smith. She gets up, walks in the house, makes him breakfast. He was just fuming. But you know what? Do you know what happened to Smith? One day, he had a revelation of the cross. And he had a fire encounter with God. He had a fire encounter with God. He saw the cross. He saw the resurrection. And he said, he started crying out for mercy for his sin. And he said, it, it was like fire went through my being. Fire went through me. And he said, he, he said that fire began to consume me. He said, it was, if you read his writing, he'll say, it's all because of my wife. She wouldn't take the offense. I'm sure she, do you think she wasn't struggling a little bit? I mean, you don't think she was struggling a little bit sitting on the front porch? That <laughs> low lives. God, you know, God shall smite thee, thou white and walled sepulcher. You know, you, you know, you know there is some. I mean, she's not subhuman. She's human. She like us. You know what I mean? She knows, you know. 
but she got the victory out there sometime in the nighttime. She probably was praising God, just kept praising God, praising God. When Smith came out, she goes, hallelujah, how you doing, Smith? Went in there, and he's like, but he had an encounter. You set him up for an encounter. It stopped. Smith became an incredible preacher of the gospel. But somebody had to get over the offense. There are so many examples and I'm not, saying that, I'm not saying this is easy because, believe me, it's not easy. But the worse you get, the louder you should get. And I don't mean screaming at somebody. I mean the louder you should get. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Because you're set at vengeance. He said, vengeance are mine. I'll even the score. It doesn't mean a, it doesn't mean a negative thing. Somebody getting saved and having an encounter with God, that's a good thing. How many know that's true? That's a good thing. In other words, God's going to, you know, there's a place in the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where it says, when your obedience is complete, God, the God, God will come and God will set things right when your obedience is complete. Let's all stand together. So some things, some things you have to leave in God's hands. How many know that's true? So let's just close our eyes just for a moment here. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Now, all of us, all of us, it's just like worry. You know, worry, when you worry about a situation, it's a sign that you've got it and God doesn't got it. The Bible says, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. So you should be carefree. It says, be careful for nothing. Be full of care about nothing. Well, be full of offense about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So the implication there is that your prayer is hindered by your worry. Your, your worry, your fear, because that's what worry is. Worry is just fear. Hinders your prayer. Well, so does unforgiveness hinder your prayer. It says, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anybody, if you have anything against anybody, forgive. It's, it's a clear sign that those two things are connected. You getting your prayers answered what things soever you desire, whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. Even in our Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. The admonition is to forgive because he's forgiven us. He's forgiven us unbelievable offense. And he says, now let it go. Let it go. And some of us, we, we sit and we think, I can't let it go. I can't let them get one up on me. They already got one up on you. And now they're continuing to get one up on you. They got one up on you when they did you wrong. And now they're continuing to do you, get one up on you because you're continually hanging on to it. Let it go. <laughs> Wish I could sing like that lady. Let it go right? 
Let it go. Buzz Lightyear. Let it go. <laughs> Don't get offended now. Let it go. That was pretty funny. <laughs> Amen. Let it go. Let it go. And, you, and someone goes, well, I can't let it go. It just sticks in my craw. Fight against it. Fight against it with everything you've got. It's amazing what God can do if you go to Jericho. If you go to Jericho, it's amazing what God... When they went to Jericho, King David said, I got this. I'll straighten this out. Your beard will grow back. Tell your tell your woman next to you, your beard's going to grow back. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. See, somebody goes, I'm offended by that. Your beard will grow back, and we'll get a tailor to cover up. But you got to let it go. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So let's close our eyes just for a moment here. I know I, I told you that before, and I started talking again, but let's just pray together. Just say this out loud. Lord, Lord I, let I let it go. I let them go. I let the offense go. This day, on this Sunday morning, I release them from the prison. I put them in and I let it go. And I let you deal with the situation because you know what to do and you see it clearly anyways. And I let it go. Now just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for redemption, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for redemption, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we bless your name today, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
clap. Hallelujah. Yay. Hallelujah. Yay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I will do a new thing in you. You know that song? I will do a new thing in you. place at your side and we view the enemy at our feet we are so grateful for you Lord for everything that you've done for us for this day our soul is escaped as a stare out of the a bird out of the snare of the fowler we are set free this day Lord our spirit and our soul begins to soar begins to go higher to another level hallelujah to another level to another peaceful pasture, hallelujah, where mercy follows us, goodness follows us all the days of our life. And we eat the good, the fruit of the land, the good fruit of the land, milk and honey and the richness of your presence and the richness of your blessing, Lord. Here we go, here we come, here we come to the place that you prepared for us, for we are transformed and we go from glory to glory by as we behold your presence, as we see you, Lord, in a new light, as we see you in a new dimension, 
For these are not the days of the end, Lord. These are not the end, Lord. But this is a new day that's breaking forth. This is a new day that's breaking forth. Will you not know it? Will you not discern what is happening in this day, in this hour? Saith the Spirit of grace. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's going to do a new thing in your life, a new thing. It's breaking forth. All that junk that's been inside is breaking out. Hallelujah. And the presence of God is coming forth. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. The prayer counselors could please come forward. If you need prayer for anything, I want to give you that opportunity. And uh, how many are glad you're alive today? Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. And this, if you have a spiritual need, a physical need, an emotional, mental need, just please come forward and, and one of these wonderful people here will pray over you. Also, we have some refreshments in the back. We'd love for you to join us and uh, fellowship with us together. And God's good, amen? Yeah. Lord, I just pray that you bless your people today. Just give them a full dose of your love. Let their eyes be clear. Let them see clearly, discern clearly. We thank you for it, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you all. You're free to go. But if you need prayer, please come forward. Please come forward. And I want you to know that he can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.